We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sam's first sentence after the Warriors beat the Houston in seven. And he said, that's a weird series. Honestly, I agree with you. Yeah. So um, I want to start with saying we underestimated Houston. I got to give them a little props. Actually, I got to give them props. A little. They they played hard. They were well, they were, they were better coached than the Warriors. They had a clear game plan the whole way. And Chris Paul missing the last two games sucks. I would love to see how it looks next year. Uh, with a healthy Chris Paul, and I don't know, maybe they make a couple moves around the margins. But with that said, I think you and I are both of the same standpoint that that had no business going seven. That was all self-inflicted, and um, they really waited till the second half of game seven to turn it on. Fuck them, man. So these two things are true, in my opinion. I think I agree with you. The Warriors... Self inflicted, they 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 made this seven, it was on them, right? It was self inflicted. And then number two was Houston's deserved to win the series much more than the Warriors deserve to win the series in a vacuum, right? In the last two weeks, I think next year the Warriors are going to be much better in crunch time and things like that. Um, but in this vacuum, the last two weeks, I mean, do you agree with me? Houston deserves to win the series, yeah. I mean, they. 
they knew exactly what they wanted to do. They, they just played harder. They wanted it more. The Warriors as a whole didn't really want it all that bad. The Warriors resembled every Laker team I hated growing up. Um, huh. It reminded me of the OO's Kobe Shaq run, um, and I hated those teams. I was in high school then, um, and it was just kind of like everything I hated about basketball. Like, oh, these guys are superpowers. They have too much talent. They look like they hate each other most of the time. And then at the end of the <laughs> game, they just take over because they have more talent. And, you know, and I'd probably engage in the same kind of trolling that, like, everyone who trolls the Warriors now does. Um, and it's weird to be on the other side of it where they are the more talented team and they play uninspired and then they just kind of do what they need to do to win. It's ugly. It's ugly. Like, I was so fr- – I think you were frustrated as well just with what was going on in the first half of an elimination game twice, not once, but twice in game six. And we didn't record after game six, so we can dive back into that too. But a lot of the storylines align, right? Game six, game seven, they don't try in the first half. Then they kind of close it down there in the second a little bit. And then they just they shut everything out in the third quarter and they effectively win the game in 12 minutes, right? They spend 24 minutes of every game looking completely lost, looking like, like a first round exit. And then in the looking third like quarter, a bunch of like dudes it. who'd never played together before. Yes. But it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ethan Strauss, friend of the pod and great writer, um, wrote the mm-hmm. piece about game six of, on KD's defense in the first quarter. And it happened again in game seven. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, remember the first half of the year when KD could be defensive player of the year and he was so engaged and he stopped playing defense around January when the whole team stopped playing defense. Right. And my whole, uh, or both our MOs was always, well, they'll turn it on when they need to. Right. But mm-hmm. he's been, and it's not like he's getting beat. What, like the way Steph gets beat where he's trying, but someone just, just kind of takes him. Right. It's like effort related. And I don't know what to make of that. Like I get guys who don't have effort in the regular season, guys who don't have effort when you're up 2-0 in a series, guys who don't have effort when you're up 15 points uh, in a playoff game. And like, while you shouldn't, I get that. But like you're down in the first quarter and you're still playing with no effort. It's weird. It's it's you know how bad that's how bad the Warriors played um in like i think maybe half of the series that's how bad they played is that even though they go to the finals are poised to win i mean overwhelming favorites 12 point favorites in game one third title in four years and all we can think about and talk about is how badly that they look throughout really like large portions of a series against houston right and then it also doesn't help thinking that because chris paul was out so it's like they won and they're going to win the title Barring some crazy, crazier than 2016, but it's it's it just it's just weird. That was a hell of a first sentence, man. It's it's weird. Yeah, I don't know how to put it. I mean, what what are your thoughts on it? Because they, it doesn't look like the Warriors we've been led to believe they are like that play with joy. The only time yeah. they ever look like they play with joy is when Steph catches fire and it doesn't have to be shots but just like when Steph is putting an imprint on the game like he did in the third quarter tonight or when um 
Draymond takes over the game defensively, which uh, he didn't really, he played good defense, but it, it wasn't one of those like Draymond supernova, like I'm just going to pick everything off for five minutes in a row. You know, you know what it is. I think the blame falls on three guys. I think half. Of, I think like a quarter of it's on Steph, a quarter of it's on KD, but I think half of it's on Kerr, and maybe more than that. Just on the fact that he's so stubborn into thinking what he's doing is right, or he's willing to sacrifice and take advantage of what Steph is willing to give up. Right. I think he's okay with giving up. You know, giving up touches for Steph because he's like, hey, it's Steph. He'll be okay with it. He's Tim Duncan. Right. And he's like, OK, I'm going to go and overcome the other side and then allow KD more free reign on the offense, even when it's not working. And then for himself, he's not going to change from his offense. Right. Because if you watch this game today, I mean, Steph took over when he got hot against Ryan Anderson. You tell me he can't do the same against Clint Capello. He's been doing it all series against or Reza or Tucker or anybody. It has to be against Ryan Anderson only. Right. So it's that kind of thing where it's like, why do you have to wait until that? To, to pull that off like why don't you just stick with Steph even if he turns the ball over twice why why is it that you're always going away from him for KD or anybody else because that's how your system or that's how your thought process works so I think it's cursed stubbornness that just doesn't allow this team to to kind of do what they want because if the Warriors do what they want we've seen what's gonna happen that's Mike Brown that's Nick Walton you let them do what they want they're gonna cook they might lose games and they might look ugly but they go and play the way they want to play. That's usually unstoppable. So now that they're kind of fit into what Steve Kerr wants to play, it gets a little tricky, especially against a Rockets team that that was really good. Well, and the, the second thing is I, I do get Kerr's system, and I do think ultimately it's the best variation of it is the best move for what the Warriors yes. have talent-wise. Uh, because it's not like it's the Rockets where you got two guys who are kind of like virtuosos on the ball and everyone else just wants to be a spot-up threat. Um, everyone on the Warriors is better with the ball in their hands in some variation. Like, Draymond's not a spot-up guy. Iguodala, who didn't play after game three, isn't a spot-up guy. Like, most loony, those guys aren't spot-up guys, right? So, I do get it, but the inability to adjust when Houston is overplaying the motion offense and, like, you know, the side-to-side passing, and just, like, Houston was just giving the war. Houston was like, just run a pick-and-roll at us. Just come down the middle. And the Warriors <laughs> just wouldn't do it, you know? Steph finished the series. Let's look at this. Steph was – yeah, Steph finished the series over 60% from twos. He finished the series um, probably 35% from three. But, like, I mean, if he'd have taken more twos, it probably comes down a little bit. But, like, they were just daring him. Just take it to the rim over and over again. In game six and seven, in the second half particularly, he just started, like, I'm going to attack the rim. If it's not there, I'm going to kick out and run to the corner. And, you know, and, like, kind of flex, you know, funnel out. Like, like standard pick and roll action. Um but I, I don't understand why it took him so long to go to it. It's like almost it's having it's having the wealth of talent and it's like it's having too many options. You know, it's like it's like the dude who you go to a restaurant, you're looking at the menu and you can't decide what to order because, you know, everything on the menu is good instead of going to a place where, you know, like, oh, you have to order the the burger here or something. Yeah, I mean, my my thing is, and I see a lot on the timeline about saying, hey, like these are the most talented guys, right? This is the most talented five that you can have when they're playing the Hamptons five. You 
you they just out talent you but to me it's not i don't know if it's about that so much as they don't know what they want to do with that i don't know if they're that talented on offense like draymond's hurt Clay Thompson was in foul trouble, and he's been on and off all series. Andre Iguodala's hurt, and even if he's playing, he can't shoot. Really, on offense, you got you got two guys that can create with the ball. And that's it, right? It's still it's still I agree, like the greatest offense of all time. But you can't pigeonhole yourself into a scheme, especially against a Rockets team that's so dialed in on ball defense. You can't pigeonhole a triangle scheme into that. Like that's just not going to work. So if they simply just ran a pick and roll. Every possession, have Draymond set the pick, right? Because you don't want him as a shooter. Have him run that, then go back and have KD run it. Set a back-to-back suite. Doesn't matter, right? Instead, all they do is they they run it to Draymond on the wing. They run an off-ball screen. It's covered. Now they're done, and they pass it to KD for a bailout ISO. So really, like, I don't want to blame KD that much because to me, it's just just let Steph and KD run a pick roll and let those guys create. Yeah, all when did we ball. get our first Steph KD pick and roll? Was it in the fourth quarter? When they're it might have been the fourth. You're right. It might have been the fourth or the third. The fact that it came in the second half is embarrassing. And it came after they were up. Um, <laughs> it was honestly, it was like, um, it was like your parents saying you can't have dessert until you eat your vegetables. <laughs> it was like, um, they weren't allowed to run it yeah, they until weren't... <laughs> they proved they could win playing Kurzweil. It's fucking bullshit is what I, so, so my thing is, and that's where the quarter of the blame for me falls on Steph, right? Cause if you're Steph, what the hell is Kurt going to do to you? If you say, screw your offense, I'm going to run Steph KD pick and rolls. What's Kurt going to do to you? Right. He going to bet you. You're not going to do nothing, right? So, like, like Kobe, Michael Jordan, those guys, LeBron doesn't even doesn't even listen to coaches half the time. It's when it when things fall apart, they run the show. Steve Kerr doesn't run the show on the floor. He's not playing, right? And when he played, he was a role player. He doesn't understand that side of it, right? So I think Steph and KD's got to realize that, in the, maybe not this year, but next year, um, when they're really down against it and they really need something, they've got to figure it out. Don't just allow Steve Kerr to keep screwing it up because I think at this point, I think you'd agree with me that he's content screwing it up all the way to the end. And he's doing KD a disservice too. Let's put yes. it this way. Like the role that they've put put KD in in this series is not the best way to use him. And I know people like to say like, oh, he's unstoppable. He can do anything. Yes, KD is the most, one of the most versatile players of all time. But that doesn't mean there aren't ways to use him better than than other ways and it, it goes for everyone it even goes for lebron you think lebron would be this good if he wasn't playing in a scheme where he could control the ball out of the post with four shooters no they built the roster to absolutely maximize lebron let's see how good lebron looks if you give him looney and bell and sean livingston and dudes who like clog up the paint and do you know he doesn't he doesn't have the open space to just kind of like hang out in his areas and then kick it to shooters right um, so, I mean, every player on earth, no matter how gifted they are, there are ways to use them that are better. And I think we both agree, like KD's best, I don't want to call him a secondary option, but if he's not initiating the offense, if he's coming off of a pin down, if he's in the secondary action, so not playing the point guard role, like he's not LeBron. LeBron is essentially a six nine point guard. KD is a small forward. He needs to be run through small forward actions, which gets him the ball in those positions and lets him do what he does best. And that's what's annoying about it because they kept going to like these triangle sets to get him the ball in the <laughs> mid post against defenders he can't really take advantage of. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, he can, but like they're willing to trade the math on it. And even yeah. if he, even if he shoots 55% against them, which is amazing, um, it's not maximizing the collective. Like clay wasn't no. getting maximized out of that. Draymond's doing nothing out of that. Steph was kind of off and on out of it. So yep. it's like a question of, are you really using all your resources to their, to their best? Like, KD is long. He's quick. He can finish, right? He can just stop and shoot. He can do all and of he it. Can, and he can pass. But, like, there's a difference between a guy who can make a read if a defender comes out of and a guy who, like, can who can run an offense. Those are different things. And KD is so good that if you're playing this mediocre offensive scheme, he just dropped 30, right? And it's if you can get KD moving from side to side, not even side to side, or maybe forward instead of just, yeah, you want to get, you just want to get moving forward. You want move, to face exactly. Up and yep. no, you're right. Cause what's Ariza going to do with him when he's one step ahead, right? Instead of how KD has to be in a start and stop where he's just to stand at the top. And if he takes one step forward, PJ Tucker smaller and he's quicker. He can just hop over and get in front of him. All of, all of a sudden he's stonewalled. That's not KD's fault. Right. Like, it, that's, yeah, I was gonna say it goes both ways. KD makes the turnaround mid post uh, jump shot better than anyone, but that's not the shot you should be hunting for. You know, that's a shot that like he takes at the end of the clock because nothing's yeah. there, and he makes it just because he's that talented. You know, it's that, not yeah, like you need to be looking. For, you know, it's not like you should be looking for it fifteen times a game. Yeah, no, for sure. And and also also part of its fatigue, though, I think. The Rockets were tired. Let's let's talk about how they missed what seven for forty four. They missed thirty seven threes and twenty five at a certain point in a row. So they were exhausted. But the Warriors were too. That's kind of why like the off ball stuff wore them down because they had to run so much and the cutting and the movement kind of went out of place, right? Because they had to run so, so much and mm-hmm. yeah. So I was gonna say so that's the other thing. Like Kerr clearly his his plan was to wear them out. His plan was like, we're going to run all God, this motion stuff and you're going to ISO on us and you're going to run out of steam. And it worked. I cannot believe it. But he might be a genius for that, though. Yeah. Is that genius or I don't know. <laughs> part of me feels like it's kind of lame, too. You know, like you have more talent. Yeah. It's just beat them with talent. Um, I, I completely get the logic behind it, but I guess it goes both ways. Like you can't. A win's a win, as they say, right? Like, no, you know, style points or whatever. But I guess with the Warriors, with the collection of talent they have, we expect style points. No, no, no. You're right. I agree with you um, in the fact that why are you running gimmicks, right? I, I understand it's a scheme. I understand it's the game plan for how you want to beat them. But why? You know what I mean? Like, wh- why don't you just – they're going harder to CP3, their best players, and they go mano a mano, and they're going right at you, and they went up 3-2. Why do you have to do something that it feels like an underdog team would do? You know what I mean? It feels like that Mavs team that changed their starting lineup to go small against the eight seed Warriors. Right? It, it just feels like something. If you're the best, if or like the, the Spurs, team, or like the um, the Spurs against the Miami Heat, who like everyone would agree the Heat had more talent, but the Spurs were the better executing, like you know bottom to bot or top to bottom team as opposed to like explosive talent the warriors are the explosive talent team use the explosive talent it's not that hard yeah. right it, it's just it's kind of i don't know man like it, it's the last three years you watch steph you watch 
and you watch him in that offense and you watch him explode, you get used to thinking like, hey, that happens all the time. But it's really like he did that out of not in spite of Steve Kerr, but Steve Kerr didn't necessarily always love the dancing and the isolation, all that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like game game the, six was the best when Steph was started dancing after he made a shot. And oh, Kerr yeah. immediately calls a timeout. Oh my God. Like that, that's who Steph, I mean, that's who Steve Kerr is. And it's, I cannot, I, I still can't believe that we spent the whole pod slandering Steve Kerr instead of celebrating uh, a game seven Warriors win that they came back from down 15 against in the second half. But all right, let's, let's move this forward then. Um, so we got a couple questions here. Oh, nice. Um, let's see. Let's start with this one. How much will fatigue from this sim- series impact the Warriors in the finals? Okay. Um, I'll let you go, Andy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that's something that matters for the Warriors as much as it does for LeBron. I think LeBron, the Warriors might be tired, but they have, again, they have four All-Stars. They have Andre Iguodala. The Cavs have one guy, and he just played 48 minutes in an elimination game, and he's obviously tired throughout so much of that series against Boston and the Warriors still have about three to four guys that you can throw at them. So I think regardless, yeah, Cleveland didn't go, Cleveland didn't go less games than the Warriors. So it's like, yeah, Cleveland didn't sweep through. You know what I mean? Like it would have been one thing if they swept through or they didn't play high uh, intensity games, but my God, they played high intensity games through the entire postseason outside of the Toronto. And even those games were relatively close. Yeah, how many different ways can James Harden choke and disappear in big games? Eric Gordon was running the offense for half of the fourth quarter. I'm going to disagree with this question. I do as well. I don't think Harden choked in this game. I I don't know. Harden was Harden was hard in the whole series. He had his moments. He got cold for periods of time, and you kind of saw what happens when Chris Paul is not there. He has to do too much, and they just devolve into chucking threes. Um, I'm not really going to put that on him. Uh, he just—it just is what it is. That's that's their team. It's not aesthetically pleasing when they can't get what they want going. Okay, um, we got one here as well. What do, from bandwagon fan? This one's funny. What do Warriors need to do to get back to? Uh, no, no, not that one. Not that one. Sorry. Um, another one from Tom Hart. This one's more fun. If the NBA is rigged, how did two-time MVP Steph Curry shoot zero free throws in Game Six and Seven of the Western Conference Finals? Um, so we got to talk about this. We got to talk about the rest tonight. Yeah. So um, on on an aside, it's kind of hilarious. Steph had his highest free throw shooting season this year. He led the Warriors in free throws per game. Um, and he's been getting no free throws all playoffs. So I don't really know what to make of that. Like, I watch it, and it's the same thing I've always seen with Steph. He's getting held off ball, but it's not like I'm seeing a bunch of egregious, like, shooting fouls that are not calling on him. He's just, you know, it's not really his style to hunt free throws. Um, but th- but that's an aside. The officiating on the game as a whole, Kings-Lakers. <laughs> um game six was funny because james harden had a bunch of drives um kind of as the game was getting out of hand that he didn't get calls on i don't think it was that egregious i think you know it's a home game the warriors were already up 10 to 15 um you're not always gonna get that call right so that's not too bad yo this game seven was hilarious james harden had 
two fouls that were both non-shooting fouls or a no-call foul against Jordan Bell, where Jordan Bell jumped into him, and then he went under Jordan Bell's hands um, and didn't get the free throw calls, which he should have if it was the regular season. I right. will say he got some calls earlier in the game, which were 50-50, which I was kind of surprised they were calling in a game seven. And my read on it was they saw the film on it and they, they started officiating the other way, which I just generally hate that logic. Um, I hate the fact that like you, ha- you know, officials are like, well, we don't want to be the reason this game seven goes a certain way. So we're just going to stop calling fouls that we would normally call. But it does get to your point. If you're playing for the fouls, you've taken you've taken the aggression out of your hands. It, you, it's just like you you've taken the result out of your hands. Maybe the ref gives it to you. Maybe they don't. But either way, you've taken it out of your hands. You can try to make the basket, or you can try to get a foul. If you get a foul, you kind of have to live with the fact that either they're going to call it or they're not. They're not robots. Yeah, shoot. I mean, they refereed that first half like a regular season game. Then that second half was a game seven finals game. Not even the first half. I feel like it was the first quarter and maybe first 15 minutes. At some point, they went to the film and and stopped calling stuff. Yeah. It might have been when Clay got his third or no, Clay got his third really early. Um, but they they stopped calling stuff because I don't know. You're just I can't think of a game seven situation where a ref has you know made themselves the center of attention fouling someone out. Like it's you just have to assume in a game seven you're not gonna get the whistle. I I agree. And I think that maybe that's where the championship experience comes in. And I was talking about this before the game. Um, maybe that's where the Warriors kind of learned, like, hey, you're not going to get calls. Why whine? Right? Nobody's going to get calls. Keep playing. Play through it. And you've seen before the Warriors get rattled by foul calls. They've gotten to a point now where it's, if they don't get a call go the way, it's, it's well, screw it. Let's just keep hooping. Like, there's yeah, a game actually, I thought, I thought Clay was the best example of this. Yeah. If Clay gets three fouls in the beginning of a game in 2015 or 16, he's done for the night. And I don't mean done like Kerr won't play him. I mean, like, he's mentally in his own head. He doesn't have the experience to, quote unquote, put it behind him and play on to the next possession. And that was the Warriors. Um, you know, when they were the up and coming team, if they got a bad whistle, it would affect them for 15, 20 minutes, maybe yep. a full game in a row. Now they're just like, I'll just play through it. Like, I, I can't keep coming back to this enough. Clay could not have started that game worse. You know, um, just three fouls in the first four minutes. Like, are you kidding me? That would have taken him out of a game in the past. Instead, he comes back. He he does get a fourth foul, but he's still able to impact the game on offense instead of being in his own head. Um, and that's, that's a sign of maturity. That's probably the best sign of maturity of the team. Well, he, he And he shot eight for 13, um, three for seven from three. But that, that's exactly what you're saying, though. Like in game after game six, where he, where he was, I think, the leader of that team. And Draymond Green, after this game, said the guy who's been talking the most in the locker room the last two games is Clay. I think Clay's been the leader in game six, was the leader in game six, and and because he's someone that I think some people kind of took offense to the tweet, but I think he's so 
not unaware of the happenings, but he's just so okay with what's going on around him that that the, the situation doesn't scare him, right? He talked after the game. He was saying, like, listen, I've had times where I was hard on myself. He said, I left the game when we lost to the Nuggets in my jersey. I left everything in my locker room. I just went home, right? And now he's like, now that I've grown up, I realize that as long as I'm playing hard, as long as I, I care and I give 100%, it's kind of cliche, but as long as I do that, I'm okay with whatever happens, right? And that is that if the whole rest of the team could do that, and that's not ever going to happen. Everybody's different, but that type of leadership is. I had, we had no idea that Clay could do that because he's not someone that you look at as the leader of the team. So that's kind of he. When you say talent for the Warriors, that's part of it too. Guys that can lead in their own ways that you never, ever see coming. Because I'm over here. I see Steph passing the ball and standing in the corner. I see KD a little shook. I see, I see Draymond not really able to do anything despite the fact that, um, you know, uh, that he has a lot of attention off of him. So, and then you've got Clay to stay, step up and, and bail him out. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I think it's maturity. I don't think there's any way else to put it. Like, I keep going back to 15 because it just comes in my mind. They dropped two games to LeBron. Yeah, true. Yep. They dropped two games to Cleveland without Kyrie and Love. And in my opinion, they dropped those games purely because they hadn't been there. They had no clue how to handle that stuff. That yep. whole playoff run was new for them. Even the next year, they weren't fully there. Um, at this point, the only person who can say they have more experience and has been there more than the Warriors is LeBron. That's it. The whole league. They've been in every situation. They... And they are those guys. They are um, the big three Celtics. They are, you know, like Kobe. They are, you know, no, take this in a variation of ways, but they've been in every situation. They've been in pressure games for four years in a row, and they get everyone's best shot four years in a row. They've been in every play. I mean, they've been in four game sevens now. I mean, at a certain point, you, it's just another game for them, right? And when it's just another game, it's a lot easier than it being game seven. Well, that that's why you say, hey, you never want to play LeBron James in a game seven. That he's done it so much. If it, it's a close game, LeBron is winning that game. I think I think if we get to a game seven against the Cavs, which I, I don't think there's any chance on how that happening. But if it does, I think you favor LeBron, right? That's the only person you favor over the Warriors. And I still think, though, here's the thing. I agree with you, but I still think the Warriors have a lot of stuff to still work on. I think next year, um, I don't. I think when teams are better, maybe, right? Maybe Houston gets back to the spot. Maybe they're they're fully healthy and they don't gas out this time. I still think the Warriors have some some stuff to figure out in crunch time. I don't think they've necessarily mastered a close game yet in the postseason. Agreed. I don't think they have. Um, I. They will tell you it's mostly because this year had been so weird. Uh, they'd had so many injuries. And, I mean, the Hamptons Five played 27 games together this year. So it's no one's going to feel sorry for the Warriors. But it's one of those things where, like, if it's not Steph, it's KD getting hurt. If it's not KD, it's Clay and Draymond and et cetera. So they just didn't have time to put the um, – they, they, they never had a run of, like, 20 games where everyone's healthy, basically. And they're no, going to say that's why, uh, but I think it runs deeper than that. And I think you also think it runs deeper than that. I think that's a cop-out. I think that's a factor, but I think it's a cop-out too. And I think the reason we also see all these slow starts is also kind of 
I don't know that they're fully in on the game plan. Like there needs to be some tweaking. Yo, that's that's a hell of a point. I think that's it. I think you know, kind of how I wanted Steph and KD to to shake that and just kind of do their own thing, right? I think that's a great point. They're not really fully into what Kerr is preaching. And after the first quarter, Kerr said, yo, that was one of the worst quarters I've ever seen, and we're only down five. Right? He said that, and he just straight up left. Like, Kerr being the nicest guy to media that you can possibly imagine and given so much, he's not someone that's just going to do that unless he's actually pissed. So I was shocked, right, regardless if it's a game seven or not and the stakes hand. Kerr's just a nice, good dude. Him that pissed? I do think at the end of the season, he's going to have to sit back and, and kind of go back to not go back to the drawing board, but figure out how to get these guys back engaged. Cause at a certain point, if you're going to keep blaming the guys that you're coaching, that's not on them. They're who they are. That's on you. Right. right. You as every a coach has every to, player yeah. wants to play pickup ball and every coach wants to put them in like some sort of Hoosiers, you know, like <laughs> five passes before you shoot it offense. And the best coaches, when they have talent, find the um, the middle ground between that. And this has felt like the first year where they haven't been able to find the middle ground. And that, I think, is something Kerr is going to have to have some honest conversations with himself about. Um, about where he can give leniency, about adjustments he can make. And, you know, just like, because it looks like a chore for them. They come out looking like, okay, we have to run this offense as opposed to this is what we want to do, right? And that's where I think it, it all stems from. Yeah, that's that's oof. okay, so let's talk about closing thoughts on the series here before we go to a Cavs thing. What are a couple main things that we want to go over? Um we've gone through pretty much a lot, but so 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 two things for me. I want to give Houston credit. I think Houston found something that um, hadn't really been exploited before. Um, they found a lot of mobile physical guys. The Tuckers. Um, Eric Gordon. Guys who are basically can bully the Warriors but are comfortable playing in space. It sounds easy, but... Most teams are just like, I need guys who can switch. They were like, I need guys who are thick, you know, like Strauss said it. Um, I think they found something in terms of they, you have to bully the Warriors, but you have to bully the Warriors in a different way. Like people think traditionally bullying the Warriors means like posting them up and playing half court basketball. They were, they found a full court way to bully. Oh, so I'll give them credit for that. Nice. That, that's a good one. And then you, oh, I, did I say two? Anyway, yeah, two. Well, I, you can you can work on the other one. I, I can go uh, as well. Um, I think a, a lot of people have have whined. I think about the Warriors and, and the way they've gone about um, the last four seasons. Because I'm going to operate on the assumption here that they're going to beat the Cavs, right? Four, five, six, seven, whatever it is. Um, I think that the Warriors are outlasting teams. It's not pretty. It's ugly. It's not fun to watch, even for us who are, you know, guys that really enjoy watching the Warriors all the time. This is right. not necessarily that enjoyable. I think they're outlasting teams. I think they're just straight up understanding that a season is 82 regular season games 
and the Rockets spent 82 games going for the one seed and then um, went hard on offense and defense isolation, that puts a wear and tear on you in a way that got guys hurt, right? And I think that the Warriors know that they have a lot of talent and that they can rest and that at the end of the day, they're they're the ones that are going to be able to play 48 full minutes. They might screw around for 12 or 24, but the last 24 that truly matters, they're going to be fresher and they might not even ever need to get the crunch time because they're that good in those, you know, second quarters and third quarters where they cut into those leads and they start to expand those leads. I think they're outlasting teams, which is crazy because it's a fourth straight NBA finals uh, apparent. So I think kudos to that. That's pretty awesome. Um, that's I don't know if that's what they are game planning or that they're planning to do. Uh, maybe it's just a testament to, hey, they have Steph, they have Katie, they have Draymond, they have Clay. But outlasting teams is it, it it's kind of like a um it's like a Spurs kind of thing, right? They pride themselves on being the Spurs. It's a very Spurs thing. They they make the playoffs for twenty years, you go and win a couple titles. So the the problem with this the, the problem not the problem, but the good thing with the Warriors is that they're good enough to win the title every year. So if they can do this for five, six, seven, eight years, I mean they might not win eight, but they might win five or six or seven even. So so, so one response to that, it, this is why it's unsatisfying for you and me. It's because we know how much talent they have and we know what they're capable of that outlasting teams is not good enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. We, we want them to, to show us more because the reality is people aren't going to give them credit for just winning two to three titles in a row. They need to be showtime. They need to be an iconic team that people remember the style points on. And I think that's what's been disappointing in this run. And that's okay. Because if they do make four to five more runs, they'll get there. They'll get it. People will remember the highest points. People will remember the style point runs and not every, not every run is that way. Like you can go back and watch the tape on the Showtime Lakers. The peaks of it were like the best, were some of the best basketball you ever see, but that doesn't mean there wasn't, slogs of games and series in there where they just outlasted teams too it's a hell of a point I, now I mean that that's a hell of a point yeah yeah um sorry rough transition <laughs> let's let's uh let's talk a little about this series we're gonna do a cross pod with the chase town guys um at some point in the next couple of weeks maybe between game two and three um i don't know we'll figure that out but i have to I have to go to this lake of Briefly post game to uh, to Anthony Slater, Cleveland again, fourth straight time. Early thoughts, Lakeup replies, sort of tired of Cleveland to be honest. But having said that, LeBron is an immense challenge and an incredible player. It'll be fun. Oh Jesus! I mean, he in many ways he exemplifies the fan base, like expectations through the roof. Um isn't satisfied with just beating Houston and is tired. Like he just wants more. It's always like, it's never good enough. (laughs) Which is going to be maybe one of the reasons why um, things might be different next year. So um, yeah, Lake up's funny, man. He's kind of someone we were joking all, all series long after game five about how, Joe Lacob's handing briefcase over to the refs to the refs. <laughs> um, and that's why the Warriors are winning. Like 
my thing is, you know, screw it. You know what I mean? Regardless of who you play and what happens, it, it, and it kind of dies back to the point we're just making. The Warriors win. The Warriors going to win. Like, nobody's really going to remember. Like, if the Warriors win and they win two more titles, nobody's going to remember Chris, Paul, Chris Paul pulling a heavy. You know what I mean? Because the next two titles validate that title. So it's like, uh, for those that even care about those things. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so so that's, gonna, that's cool. Um, the Cavs, Warriors... V four, you know, it feel it does feel a little tiring. I mean, I gotta agree with Lake. man, this is gonna be one where it's especially tiring because this is just. I mean, this is LeBron. LeBron's amazing, but this team's just. It's very hard to watch. Wait, okay, but how, here's this. I I just thought about this. The Warriors screwed around and were overconfident against Houston. One game one, threw away game two, and then weird shit happened. Right, one game three by forty. And then things happened. Iguodala got hurt. They were never really into that offense. Houston kind of figured them out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want the same thing to happen against Cleveland. I, 99.99999% of me does, thinks that the Warriors going to win. But if they mess around and an injury happens here and something else happens there, right, and you suddenly find yourself in a game six or a game seven against LeBron, you you deserve like you deserve what's coming to you because the Warriors should win this in four, probably end up winning in five. But if they mess around and something happens that you can't foresee, that's on them. And they should have known this because this is what happened against Houston. They had a chance to put Houston away. They did not. And that's why it went seven. Right. And they do that against Houston. I mean, they do that against LeBron. You got a different story if it goes long. So. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not excited. Just like I'm trying. I'm trying to make excitement, Sam. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, I'm getting into the other quotes, and it's like Kerr's quote: "Our talent took over." It's as simple as that. Like he's uh, unsatisfied. Um. By the way, when you were saying earlier um, that the Warriors should be winning more impressively, despite the fact that they're winning, guy, I just have flashbacks. That must have been what your dad said if you come home. <laughs> and you, got, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's good. Nine, you 95 <laughs> out of 100. Why not a, Why not 100? Yeah. It's like, why, what, what, did you, what question did you get wrong? Which, which, which one did you get wrong? Let's make sure that doesn't happen again. It just, that was funny. So Yeah, um. for sure. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we decompressed on this. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed it. And then um, we'll get into something when the finals actually start. But for now... Survived Houston. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.